Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Almost through my first week uh, with the real job. So uh, out in the real world. So I'm doing well, man. Uh, happy to hop on here and talk a little UK and maybe even some SEC hoops in general. As uh, I mean, it's almost over, Sean, the season. I think they got, what, seven games left? Something yeah. like that? Uh, yeah, they're 24, yeah. so seven regular season games remaining, uh, five of those against quad one. And then the SEC tournament, we, we could actually probably talk about that and how the bracket kind of stands stands out going into today. Uh, one thing before we get started, Derek, I know I texted you this. I got to meet our buddy Shane that listens to this podcast. Uh, Shane, I met him in Columbia the other night and had a couple of Kentucky Daily listeners uh, come up and, and talk to me. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, definitely glad. They're definitely glad to hear that you're still popping in. <laughs> on, on episodes when you when you can join us obviously the the work in the the nine to five has definitely changed things throughout the day but it's i'm, I'm glad you're on here to talk a little bit of uh, sec basketball tonight i am too uh i know you recorded your uh your takeaways the other night um i thought it was a, a solid win down there in columbia another game where you have six guys score double figures i mean it's just a well-rounded group i, I hated i'm sure you talked about i hated to see jacob topping get hurt because he and he had that, like, two-minute stretch there where he was just dominant, getting rebounds, finishing up the rim, hitting jump shots. Uh, it just seems like this team can't catch a break, man. Every time it seems like they get going, someone turns an ankle or – I mean, nobody even touched him. He just rolled it. It seems like he's been having some issues with that ankle. I think it was the same leg that bothered him against Mississippi State, wasn't it? I want to say it was. And then, of course, Cal last night was, like, no help at all on his coach's show. Hadn't seen him, which was probably true because Cal was over in Frankfurt – um for a little bit yesterday but no we've seen that that South Carolina game man it's just it can be rough sometimes it's just a hard place for whatever reason for them to really look great but scored 86 points you know it's the most points they'd scored uh, dating back to the Tennessee game actually uh when they scored 107 so it was one of their better offensive outputs in SEC play and South Carolina had a little stretch there to start the second half where UK looked pretty bad, but really gathered it well after that. And I don't know. I mean, I think this team just keeps on winning nine and two now in the league, 20 and four overall. I thought, what did we say in the preseason, Sean? 24, 25 wins is what we thought. Yeah. They got a pretty good chance to pass that in the regular season. I think we said what about 24 and seven, 25 and six, somewhere through there. And they've got a really good shot. It passing that. I know it's still going to be tough, though. I mentioned that they have five games against quad one competition. That road trip to Arkansas at the end of the month, Arkansas is, uh, picked up a huge win. Is Florida a quad one opportunity? On the road it is. It's on a quad road, okay. two in Lexington. Uh, the other one that's not is Ole Miss is a quad three at Rupp Arena. So I'm sending you an updated bracket. KSR posted an updated bracket today on their Facebook page. I saw it pop up. And uh, really well put together, and you can kind of see exactly how the SEC tournament would would play out if it started today. So Auburn would be the overall number one, Kentucky the two, Arkansas the three, and Tennessee the four, and then the five seed would be Florida, Mississippi State, Vandy, Alabama, LSU, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Mizzou, Ole Miss, and Georgia. So the way Kentucky's path would go. They would play the winner of that South Carolina team they just played and Vandy, 
and just to get to the semifinal where it'd either be Texas A&M, Georgia, Mississippi State, or Arkansas. So that path would probably be what Vandy, maybe, and then Arkansas. So the, the yeah, thing that not- the thing that I look at is five quad one wins in the regular season or remaining opportunities. You're going to get a couple in the SEC tournament if you get to the final. So there's a chance to add as many as seven quad one wins if you win them all. I mean, I know that's a tall task, but they could get north of 10 wins in the quad one category. They're right now at five and four in quad one. You could also make the argument, Sean, and we'll see if it actually stays this way. Like we said, still quite a few games left. Auburn would have a tougher first game against either LSU or Alabama than what Kentucky would have against South Carolina or Vandy if it holds that way. I could see Alabama climbing or – Maybe even LSU or Vanderbilt just falling down. But, I mean, the way that bracket is today, if you're UK, I think on a neutral court, you would – I mean, they would – they should be in the championship game if that's the path they have uh, on a neutral court. I mean, Auburn could have to beat I – mean, that, that would be a good chance for them to get some wins because you might have to beat Alabama, Tennessee, and then Kentucky to win an SEC tournament championship. So, take that versus UK. I mean, you could have Vanderbilt, Arkansas – and whoever wins out of the top bracket and win the SEC championship. But it's an interesting bracket this year. I mean, for Alabama to be the 8-9 game right now, I just – it would be very surprising to have heard that in the preseason. Yeah, it very surprising. And it should be noted, too, they're going to lose a quad one game here, not because they lost a game, but because it's going to drop to a quad two. Texas A&M is sitting at 74 in the net. They're two spots away from that being a quad two road win now. It's unfortunate. It, it looks like – Either Kentucky broke Texas A&M or that just got to the part of the schedule where Texas A&M started struggling. Derek, I'm, I'm actually looking at well, Texas they had some bad A&M. losses in there. I mean, they, South they Carolina, do. Missouri. Yeah. So they're on a seven-game losing streak. Kentucky was the first game that they lost in that stretch, and now they've lost seven straight. And that looks like a team, when you look on the road at Auburn, they play Florida. I actually think that they would lose at Vandy they could go on a streak here and lose 10 straight before they win a game. Then they play Georgia, Ole Miss, back-to-back. That's definitely a a team that we talked about that night. They entered right there on the bubble. That was in January. Still had a lot of basketball to play, but that's a team now that has no chance at making the NCAA tournament without winning the SEC tournament. Well, flip that with what – I mean, you could say one of the more surprising wins in the SEC this year is Texas A&M on the road at Arkansas. Yeah. We'll flip that with – go look at Arkansas. They've not lost a game since then. No. So, those are two teams that have definitely have gone in different directions since then. You know, Arkansas right here, two, four, six, nine-game winning streak right now. Just beat Auburn. That's tough. Another tough road game coming up, though. they got to go to Alabama. But, um, you know, that's a team that's playing pretty well, doing some good things. And I thought they had a pretty good chance to beat Auburn. Auburn was without its uh, starting point guard again. But – you think about that Auburn team anyway, Sean. I mean, I know Jasper is a guy who really sets the tone for them defensively, but he brings next to nothing on offense. And really, whenever it comes to crunch time, Wendell Green and Johnson are playing those minutes anyway in the backcourt. So I'm not going to minimize it and say that Jasper, you know, losing him is – it hurts. I mean, you have a good player like that uh, who can stop the ball uh, defensively. That's his role. But at the same time, uh, you just kind of felt like the way Auburn had been playing on the road that they'd been – Dodging some bullets, and it finally caught up to them in overtime at Arkansas. But, again, they, they came back from a 12-point deficit there in the first half and uh, battled. But you take a look at the SEC standings. You just mentioned the, the bracket. But if you're looking at the overall conference records, 
right now Auburn's still in first place at 10 and one. Kentucky is outright in second place at nine and two. And then you have two future or well, three future opponents really for Kentucky all coming up here, I think in a row with, uh, or maybe not in a row, but you got Arkansas, Tennessee, and Florida. So let me look that up, actually. I know, I know they have Alabama at Rupp Arena next weekend. You're right. They don't play Arkansas till the 26th. So yes. and they play them later this month. But And that um, was a big deal. I know Kentucky fans were pulling for Auburn to lose because, obviously, I, th- I think right now the fan base that, that Kentucky fans probably hate the most at the moment is Auburn because Auburn Twitter has been something else for about right, the yeah. last two to three weeks. But, I saw someone tweet last night who was like, I don't know why Kentucky fans care. This was, it was a UK writer, I think, uh, for KSR. He's like, I don't know why UK fans care about Auburn losing because there's next to zero chance that it's going to affect the SEC race. And I was like, have you been on Twitter? Like, have you seen their fans? Like, that's why people are happy. <laughs> yeah. well, what's what's another SEC championship for Kentucky? Like, what's it matter? You know what I mean? Like, no way, I don't think anyone really cares about that. It's more so seeing Auburn finally lose and maybe get humbled well, a little bit. But I don't know if it worked. I've not really been on Twitter too much to see if uh, they fight down any. What would you rather win, the SEC regular season or the SEC tournament? Would you rather finish in that top three, have a really good SEC year, and then win the SEC tournament? I, I think that's the one that fans really get fired up for. Yeah, I think the tournament gives you some good momentum too. It does. The installation tournament. I know. Then you you could make the case that you know the couple of national championships there in '96 and and 2012 they didn't win the SEC tournament and still won the NCAA tournament. So a lot of fans go, oh, you know, I'd like to lose because that means good. Nah, win them all. That's what I'm thinking. Just win out, win the SEC tournament, win the whole dang thing. Uh, but. It made it interesting. Arkansas winning that. Arkansas is a game back, and this is why it's big. Like, it's it's only one game against Arkansas this year. You only got one shot against Auburn. The SEC schedule, it feels like every year, it just doesn't make sense. Like, the, the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Like, it feels like the best teams aren't playing in the Big 12. There's always a couple of teams that make you scratch your head and going, okay, why was this team in the matchup? How in the world did we get through a basketball season this year? without Kentucky playing Auburn twice and without playing Arkansas twice, given where Auburn's been as a program and given where Arkansas went in the NCAA tournament last year, you would have thought the SEC would have made sure that those were home and aways. Yeah, that's schedule. Yeah, like, why is Kentucky playing Vanderbilt twice? Why is the best program in the league playing Vandy twice? I mean, I like <laughs> it because it's a close game, but right, right, yeah. I'd much rather them play Auburn twice. I would too, yeah. I mean, you think about it, just looking at the standings for Auburn, you know, they played Kentucky once, Arkansas once, Tennessee once. That's the top. I mean, that's, that's their – if we're talking about challengers in the league this year, like those are the teams that are challenged. And he could have said in the preseason Alabama, who they did play twice, but Alabama's not proven that. And then even LSU, I think – was LSU a top 25 team preseason? They were at least in the discussion if they weren't. And that was another team they only had to play once. Yeah. So – I mean, again, like, it, it's a definite advantage for Auburn. But, again, they didn't make the schedule. Like, they can only play the schedule that they're given. I just do wonder, you know, I think if their schedule is different, they're probably not sitting there with one conference loss. Like, once they beat Kentucky, and it could still be this case, but like once they beat Kentucky, the league should have been theirs that day. So, if they are to not win the league outright – or actually – if it's it's if they lose one more game and Kentucky wins out, they don't do tiebreakers, right? Wouldn't it just be co SEC champions? It would be. It'd be co SEC champions. So that would really burn them up, probably. And, they would probably and, like to win that outright. Yeah, and you kind of think that 
if Kentucky gets through Tennessee next Tuesday, not to, I'm not skipping Florida and all these other games. I know those are quality opponents, Alabama at Rupp Arena, but if you can get through Knoxville with a win and then get to Arkansas, road trip to Florida at the end might determine it, right? If, if Tennessee could beat Auburn in Knoxville, I mean, there, there's there's a game or two there that you could see Auburn slip up, but I don't know. I, I, I saw – I went back and watched that game, Auburn and Arkansas, the other night, and to me it looks like Auburn got caught up in – no one experiencing what Kentucky experiences every single night. You have a target on your back, and I saw it. Like you could, you could see it. It's exhausting. Like they, it wore them down. Like they're they were they were in a dogfight against Georgia, another dogfight on the road against Arkansas. How about Arkansas turning the lights out right as the game ends? <laughs> the like, but you yeah. know what? If they had to storm the court, I believe they're about to have some guys throw punches like that. He was going. There's no doubt. In my mind, he was going after him for the crotch shot, <laughs> swinging on the on the rim there. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, if he wasn't, he was aggressively letting him know he didn't appreciate it. <laughs> well, that was also funny. They, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be like the uh, people should have fun. I, I swam the court, and it was a high school level. It was not like celebrating with college players, but in high school, my high school won a district championship one year, and we like stormed the court. And it was very fun in hindsight. It's also incredibly dangerous if someone is just a slip or whatever. Yeah. So turning the lights out <laughs> as soon as all these people are rushing the court, I mean, could have been a disaster. I'm glad Did it was. Turn the lights out for every win, or is that just a because that was, it was pretty cool to to like have? I know the dunk didn't count, but like to have the dunk like that, the lights go out, like the flames go out, or the fire it just was like fire it was like almost like sparklers that looked like to me uh, i don't know what the word in the business is for that but like that was one of the fastest court storms you'll see as well like did they know have a storm though i you would have had to have right because like i looked i saw it's so like they dunked it lights went out i looked down at my phone did i looked up and i felt like the court storm was over like everyone was already there it's like an all, avalanche of all that white man yeah everyone was already on the court just, so, that's I a could, good point you made though sean about auburn like you're right. I mean, that's something Kentucky, and I'm sure people who don't like UK or don't or get tired of Cal talking like that's a real thing. Like that's that's a, a level on the road every single year that Kentucky has to face, especially in years when they're good. When they're good, like this year, I mean, you do get those t-shirt nights. You do get like a lot of these places every night. It's it's going to be one of the biggest games of the season, and Auburn's learning that this year. That's that's respect to Auburn. Like credit to them that there are these big nights whenever number one comes to town. But that does take a toll on you. And, uh, you know, it takes a mature group to be able to handle that every single night. And really, I mean, they pull out a one-point win at Missouri earlier this year. They barely beat the worst team in the league in Georgia the other night, other day. And then last night, I mean, it kind of felt like it was building towards that. And uh, they slipped up. But, again, not a loss that's going to kill you. Arkansas is a good team. And they put a lot into that game. And, I mean, if you're Kentucky – you think that's a tougher game going to Arkansas or going to Tennessee? Because I feel like Tennessee is probably the better team. Historically, Tennessee has been tougher too. Yeah. And, and yeah, like it's it's hard for them to win in Thompson Bowl. Although they have won two in a row down there, though. Well, which is uh, fair to point out. And I think you should throw this out there too. Look, Tennessee is not only playing at home, but they're going to be playing with for some pride. They got embarrassed yeah. mm-hmm. last month. 
at Rupp Arena. And you're going to get – I think you're going to get Tennessee's best shot. I think that's their toughest game remaining just because it's a, it's a good basketball team. I know they struggle to score the ball. They are playing better right now. They, they went on the road and, and battled Texas, a, a Texas team that later beat Kansas at home. I mean, it's going to be a tough game Tuesday night. Uh, but one thing I'll say about the road atmosphere – and last year you missed out on all the road atmospheres. You went to, you went to Mississippi state or Auburn, there was no one in the stands. And I think that experience prepares Cal's teams and brings them together the most, because that's the only way to survive is you got to come together. Now, South Carolina announced that there was 12,000 people in the arena the other night. And I doubt it. Like, I don't think there was 12,000 people. The entire upper level was empty. So it wasn't, but the student section was good, but I just think those experience prepares Cal's teams, and last year we know it wasn't a good basketball team, but, Derek, they never even got those moments where they were forced to come together. Like, is you, what road venues? I mean, that, it's tough, but I think it does something to Cal's teams to experience that atmosphere because then I think it kind of lets you know, oh, God, I'm at Kentucky. This is what it's all about because they get it every single place they go. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Cal's had Final Four. Yeah, Cal's had what? The Brandon Knight team, did they, they won what, one game, I think, on the road in the SEC? Yeah, they. I know they, they won at Tennessee to close it, and then did they, they? They won at South Carolina. I think they won two games, maybe two games. I mean, they. I felt like that year they lost almost every single time they played a road game. Lost at Carolina. They, they beat Louisville on the road that year. I think they won three road games the entire year, and they went to the Final Four. Yeah, and they were a good team. I mean, that was a good beat. I mean, they had to go through a gauntlet to get to the Final Four: West Virginia, Ohio State, North Carolina. But um. I'm just looking at Arkansas schedule. You talked about a nice schedule, though, man. They, yeah. in terms of their big games, they got Auburn and Kentucky and Tennessee all at home, and really LSU too. I mean, LSU is still. What What do you make of Ken Palm at this point? With LSU still sitting at 16th and Alabama still at 18th, 18th because Alabama is 15 and nine, and LSU is 17 and seven. Neither team has a winning record in SEC play yet still considered top 20 teams and Ken Palm. What, what well, do you make of that? Oh, you, you can look at – when you see those teams that are so far apart, like LSU right now, number two in defensive efficiency, 112th in offensive efficiency. You go down to Alabama, 11th in offense, 74 in defense. I, I just think that when you don't have that balance, and then you don't have to be elite in both categories, but you've got to be somewhere in that top 20. If you're in that top 20 – I think you're I think you're a quality basketball team. If you're near the top 10 in both, I think you're a team that can win the whole thing. Ken Palm never lies, Derek. When you look at the analytics at the end of the year and you go back, 95% of the time, 
you could probably pick who's going to be those teams that gets to the lead eight or the final four. At least probably pick the two or three that's going to have a shot to win it when you get to the final two weekends every year. And I just think that there's such a discrepancy there from those two teams that they're not finding any – that's the reason they're not consistent. Look at Tennessee. Struggles to score. Really good defensively. But look at Kentucky. They've won games how many different ways now? They've won rock fights at Texas A&M. They've destroyed Kansas and Tennessee. Tuesday, they surrendered 40 points total off of turnovers and offensive rebounds and attempted 22 fewer shots than their opponent did and still won an SEC road game by 10 points. Like, what? Offensive efficiency, to me, it takes the cake. I just – I would rather be more efficient offensively and be good defensively. You just can't be poor. And and that's and I just think that that is what that's going to lead them to a Final Four if they if they get a good draw, is when you're efficient offensively. Look, there's good defensive teams in the tournament. They're still going to give up points because you're playing a high level of basketball at that point. Yeah, uh, Kentucky, five and twelve right now. Five on offense, twelve on defense, and Ken Palm. Uh, Tennessee is climbed though. I think when when Kentucky played them, were they? In, I'm thinking they were like in the 50s at one point. Yeah, 54. And I think they were second on defense. Yeah, so now they're fifth in defense, but 32nd offensively. So they've climbed. Uh, that's a team when I watch them play. I mean, I think Barnes has done a pretty good job because I actually still like Kentucky to beat them down there. Obviously, I'm not, not going to be stunned if Kentucky loses just because of all the places I've covered. Like these last – so Auburn's a great road environment. We talked about that when UK played down there. Those Tennessee teams that had Schofield and Grant Williams, I mean, like, that was like a hostile crowd, I felt like, <laughs> uh, when Kentucky played down there. Like, I felt like they were angry when Kentucky was there. Whereas Arkansas, which I went a year, neither team was all that great. It was uh, Shea Gilders Alexander's team. And Kentucky won down there, but that Arkansas team wasn't really that good. But it was a great environment, and then Cal got thrown out down there a few years ago. So they're two tough places to play coming up for sure. I mean, those are those are the last two. Yeah, no, Florida too. Yeah, I was looking. Florida is not a tough place to play. Would you agree? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think, like, not compared to these it other was, schools. It was much tougher in the Billy Donovan years. Yeah, like that that place was really tough when it when used Bill to be right on top of the court too. It seemed like, whereas now it's pushed back a little ways and. uh that team's just not that good either. Like, that's – I don't – Ken Palm's at Kentucky's a 13. Oh, well, they're projected to win by 13 on Saturday against Florida. I'm going to guess that's about right. As of today, I would pick about a 15-point win over this Florida team. But I could see it being more. You know, I could see it being a 20-point-plus 20 20 plus win against this team. And, and, and as we start to wrap up here, this is what I was getting at where I would rather be more efficient offensively and be – Good defensively. I mean, you don't even have to be elite defensively. So the going on Ken Palm, the John Wall team was 22nd in offense, sixth in defense at the end of the year. You look at 2011, the team that made the final four, you're eighth offensively. And then you're in that area there, 16th defensively, where you're a good defensive team. Uh, you go to 2014 and you're 14th. So you went all the way to the championship game in 14, 14th offensively, 32nd defensively. Uh, just going through and, and looking at some of these years, I, I I never realized how much the metrics hated the 2020 Kentucky team. That's like, why I've always like tried to 
like maybe they would have had that special performance from someone like quickly or maxi but like yeah the computers did not like they had some bad losses i mean utah was not a good team evansville was obviously terrible um their other losses weren't horrible ohio state was a good team i mean tennessee though 68th that's three losses right there right that are all worse than a, any loss that this team has Notre Dame 66th that's the worst loss so far this season that 2020 team i mean we're, we're a group i i will never know what's going to happen so it's pointless to argue over it i felt like that team wasn't making it past the sweet 16 but the only thing that that group had is they had really good guards and it had a guy like quickly that could go for a big night or, or maxi could get hot but you just never well, knew what actually, Hagen's, back. that's what i was gonna say you never knew what was gonna happen with him <laughs> I mean, after him after what surfaced with him going into the the SEC tournament, EJ. Did you talk about an all-time like cop out, like <laughs> global once in a lifetime pandemic comes along to erase like whatever little drama there was with his storyline. Uh, Y'all never had to answer anything about it. Like it no. just never even became a topic. Like they, we didn't get anything SEC tournament. They went on the court for that shoot around. Then next thing you know, it's gone, and so is whatever would have come of that. I mean, you know, the Keon Brooks story was really developing around that time, too, though. I wish we could have seen. He might have gone back and played, like, five minutes in the tournament game. Who knows? But, like, what he did at Florida, yeah. getting that final shot, he kind of felt like maybe he was starting to turn a corner. And then he's and a guy he, I couldn't brag on more. I mean, what, 15-9-5 and five the other night, something like that? I he's mean, he's just playing right good ball. Yeah, he's playing good I, ball. I said the other night that the biggest question mark – when you looked at Kentucky, even when they started playing better, right, was, all right, what are you going to get from the four? We kept saying, well, it's whoever's hot. If if Keon's off, Toppin will play. If, if Toppin's off, Keon will play. I said their biggest question mark might have became their exclamation point because that's what really has separated them. That position in itself, Toppin the other night was brilliant until he got hurt. The move he made at Alabama, the spin, the finish with his left hand, I mean, incredible move for a guy with, with, with his size and at that position. But Keon's just doing – things right now Derek that I mean I kind of look like an idiot for three weeks ago saying that he might have hit his ceiling at Kentucky but hey look two and a half years in I thought he had you don't see many guys in their junior year this late really hit a stride but something flipped with him and I just think that when you're on this team and roles are defined I think you just have to look at yourself and say all right what am I good at how do I help and this team is so like it's so infectious how much they they get along I think that these guys have figured themselves out because it's been easy to in this environment this year. I'll say this. I think just from the outside watching, even when I was covering the team, like this is this has been one of my favorite groups come through here and probably since I covered it actually. I like that 2017 team, uh, the kids that were on that team. This group I really like. I mean, you gotta love Oscar Sheboy. I think Kellen Grady. I think he's a great guy. Seems like got some years on him. Really well uh, spoken too. Well spoken. I mean, uh, you know, Savier as a veteran guard, he's not made a shot. It seems like three weeks, but he controls the team pretty well. Um, Defends his tail off. Tatai is a good freshman player, and then what Keon? I mean, I think you gotta love what Keon and Toppin are doing. I think just overall this team, and, and again, like there's no. How about where? Lance Ware coming off the bench doing good things. Like, I guess Sheboy, like, is a legitimate national player of the year. But for whatever reason, he doesn't feel – maybe it's just because he's just such a freak rebounding that it's – you know, he's not like he's scoring 30 points a night. It, it doesn't feel like he's, like, maybe as much 
and this might just be my opinion. Someone else might listen to this and think I'm crazy, but like he doesn't feel like a bona fide star to me the way a guy like John Wall was, obviously, or or Anthony Day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no there's no guy like that on this team. Um, there's not. So I think it's just like made them more fun because it's like a it's like a group, you know. And we've seen games where they where they lost a guy, and Davion Mintz is another guy I should mention as being just a very likable guy. So this team, like I've I've really enjoyed watching them play. Um, like I look forward to, and trust me, there have been teams here in the last few years that like, and obviously last year being one, but they had to deal with some stuff. Like that 2020 team, I just like wasn't that excited to watch play. Like you know, they weren't a bad team, but I wasn't like excited to watch them. Even the 2019 team, to an extent, to an extent. Like, I like this team more than that team. But that team, I mean, PJ had a great stretch. Hero had some big shots. But uh, even by Ken Palm, you go by the 2019 team, they were 14-8. and eight. Um, So, talking about what you talk about, like, that team was a little bit better defensively than what they were offensively. They had some good moments. I mean, I didn't – certainly didn't dislike that team. But, I mean, this is – this team has just been super fun. And uh, I think they're going to close the season strong. We'll see what kind of matchups they get in March. But – to me, this just feels like the kind of team that they're going to get back to the Final Four. That's how it feels to me. And I'll, I'll say this, and we'll wrap up. Jeff Goodman taking quite a bit of heat today for, I guess somebody, I, I guess somebody kind of dug up and and found what he said after Kentucky's lost to Notre Dame. And you know, I, I know Jeff and talk to Jeff often, honestly. And he was saying that this will be when Cal gets exposed because this isn't a team full of superstars. And he wasn't wrong, and he's not wrong. Like, this team doesn't have – like, right. Tata Washington is their NBA dude right now. You look at the rest of these guys right now, their best NBA prospects sitting on the bench and hasn't played yet. Let's not act like Jeff Goodman was the only person saying this either. No. And, well, here was my <laughs> thought on it. He wasn't wrong at the time, but this is where I think this is Cal's best coaching job. When, when it's all said and done, does this team lose in the first weekend, the second weekend, or they win it all or lose in the third weekend? I have no idea. But regardless of where they do, this is his best coaching job, and here's why. There was a ton of pressure on him to get it right. He went a different route than he's ever gone his entire life, and he doesn't have superstars. He has guys that are really, really good college basketball players. I do think Kellen Grady is going to be an NBA player, though. And I think that they have some guys that are going to be fine and, and make it in the league. But overall, the pieces fit the puzzle better than they have at any point. And I'm talking better than 2012, all of it. 2012 was just so dominant. When you have Anthony Davis, you take him, put him on any other UK team, probably have a shot at winning the title. But I just feel like how they've pieced this roster together. You had staff changes. You, you've had coming out of COVID, you've had all these other things. This is his best coaching job. And this, this proves to me that this is his moment, not winning a national championship in 2012. I just feel like this is the one that kind of signals that he's, he's a Hall of Fame coach because he had a ton of pressure on him to get it right. And he's got them in the top five. The, the, who knows where they go? Do they get to the number one by the end of the year? I, I don't know, but they have a good shot to win a title. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that. That's like what we talked about early in the season. Some of these past teams, like 2015 was the exception to, to any team just because you're not going to have – I mean, we've not seen it since. You've not really had 10 guys on the team that all deserve to play. 2012, I mean, it's like – it's laid out for you who you should play. <laughs> you had the top two picks in the draft. Like Darius Miller was coming off the bench on that team. Darius Miller might have started for every single team in the country that year. 
besides Kentucky. Like, that was a team that I do feel like had an overwhelming talent advantage over every single team they played. And you're right about this team. I, who knows how far they'll make it. Uh, but they need, everybody, they need everybody to play well. But that's kind of what makes these, like, not I, to I was play not well, covering. but do their job. Yeah. I don't know how fans, like, feel. But like, 2015, I was not yet covering Kentucky. It was my sophomore year at UK. Obviously, they were very good. I do not remember that year as an enjoyable season. Does that make stressful. sense? It was, it was stressful. so stressful. It was so stressful. It was like you just kept waiting, and, like, it was not fun. Like, and maybe it's because the year before in 2014, my freshman year at UK, they made a, a very unexpected tournament run. It was just a blast. Like, maybe there was some hangover from that. But whenever you're not, like, the odds on favorite, like, I think they're kind of in a sweet spot right now where – they are one of the favorites, I would say, for sure. I mean, they're in the top five, you would think, as a team that can win. But no one's sitting here saying, like, oh, God, if Kentucky doesn't win it this year, then Cal really screwed up. Like, that's how it was in 2015. Like, there was a lot of pressure on that team to win the day. And I think 2012, too, there was a lot of pressure to win it that season, and, of course, they did. So, I think this group, you know, it's going to be really based on matchups and – this feels like the kind of team that is going to be right there, though. Like, I would be surprised if their season ends with a with a loss that does not come down to the final shot. Yeah, this, that makes sense. Like, this, this reminds me of one of those really good Tubby Smith teams. Yeah, I think it's gotten thrown around a little bit. And like, I don't remember a lot of those teams, but I can definitely see the, the comparison. Look, T- Tubby had some teams there early 2000s. I, I remember two back-to-back teams that were just so beloved. And this feels like one of those teams. Now, Cal's had a lot of teams that just were beloved and, and everything that those teams did. But this one just feels like when it's done, regardless of where they go, I think this will be one that Cal comes back to the rest of his life and kind of points to and say, man, that, that might have been one of my favorite groups. And I know he says that every year, but, look, he's pieced this thing together from the transfer portal, something that he used to always say that he didn't like to pull from. You know, he didn't like to pull transfers, but the rules change now. And – who comes back off this team? I think Xavier Wheeler is an option to come back next year, and I think there would be a really good path for him to play a ton and, and start and lead that roster. Where does Oscar Shibway fall? I, I don't know. Like, there, there's some guys that you actually could see that are having unbelievable years that could play their way into coming back. I don't know. But I think one thing is solidified. The transfer portal will forever be a part of John Calipari's strategy the rest of his career because he has had a ton of success with it. He's got a top five team right now, Derek, and he built it through the portal, not from high school. That's got to be – he's got to be sitting there thinking, all right, it's so much easier to coach this group than it has been to go through the grind of young teams over and over again. Now, he's going to go get his freshman, but I think he's going to mix in really good players like Kellen Grady and others. But we just wanted to hop on here and uh, catch up and talk a little. Glad to have you on here for sure. It's uh, yeah, definitely a blast having you on the other side of the screen here. talking to me uh definitely have a lot of fun with it and we'll uh we'll be back to see what happens with kentucky florida and and some other things throughout the weekend and moving into next week as always the show is powered by blue wire pods it's also powered by the butcher's pub three locations palmville williamsburg and london kentucky you can visit the butcherspub.com or check them out on facebook he's Derek terry i'm sean smith we'll catch you next time on kentucky daily